Dr. Kristen Oja here, entrepreneur and functional medicine expert. Welcome to Little By Podcast, where our goal is to empower you to achieve optimal health, one step and one episode at a time. Taking a functional medicine approach will cover a variety of health and wellness topics, from how to optimize performance to how to balance your hormones and everything in between. This podcast is for educational purposes only, so please be sure to consult your healthcare provider before incorporating any changes into your daily routine. Now grab your headphones and let's go for a walk as we take steps towards becoming your best self. Welcome to episode two of season four on the Little By podcast. This question was submitted a couple weeks ago, and the person asked, how do you know if you should do a comprehensive stool test or a food sensitivity first? And is there any value in doing a food sensitivity test? And this is very kind of controversial and conventional versus functional medicine. So I'm excited to kind of break down this question. It's a great question. So most of the time, my answer to you is going to be a stool test is more important to do first than a food sensitivity, but it does vary from person to person. And the reason I typically do a stool test is because if you have an unhealthy gut, let's say you were a C-section baby, you were on tons of antibiotics growing up because you had chronic ear infections you had eczema where you were doing topical steroids uh, regularly to help control. You had really high stress. Maybe your parents got a divorce. You've had irritable bowel syndrome symptoms your whole life, whether it's constipation, diarrhea, or a combination of both. Your gut microbiome is most likely imbalanced just based on that history. And that's a very common history I see at Stat Wellness. And it's going to impact your immune system. So we know over 70% of our immune system is in our digestive tract. And when our digestive tract is unhealthy, it almost overreacts to the things that we eat. So if we have what we call a gut dysbiosis or an imbalance of good and bad bacteria, chances are we have some degree of what is an increased intestinal permeability or what the slang term is, a leaky gut. And when we have a leaky gut, we are reacting to more foods. And so if we don't get our gut into a healthy place first, we may do a food sensitivity and see 15, 20, even 30 foods that we need to cut out and avoid. And nobody can cut out that many foods. So after we meet with our patients for an hour and go through their whole health history, we help identify, is it better to start with a stool test or a food sensitivity? And most of the time, we're going to do a stool test first. We're going to work on getting your gut healthy, making sure the lining of your gut is nice and tight and inflammation is low. Your immune system is healthy. You have enough good bacteria. Your digestive enzymes are optimal. And if all of those things look good and you're struggling with some symptoms, Uh, and we'll go through what some of those symptoms are, we absolutely are going to do a food sensitivity test. And I know food sensitivity tests are controversial 
but I have been doing functional medicine for over eight years and I've been running these the whole time. And I will not claim that every person has significant improvements because that is definitely not true. I've had a lot of patients do a food sensitivity test. They cut out the foods and they really don't feel much better. But we do have some patients that do a food sensitivity test. They have two or three foods that are really severe and they're things they eat on a regular basis and they cut them out for a six-week elimination and they feel better. And I'm going to talk about what, again, some of those symptoms of food sensitivities look like, but let's say we do a test and again, 20 foods come back. I'm not even going to have them cut out the 20 foods. I'm going to focus on their gut health, focus on their immune system, and then we may repeat the test. So you should not have several food sensitivities. And you know what that number is, I really feel like varies from person to person, but for sure, if there is more than 10 things that you need to cut out, don't cut out the foods, work on getting your gut healthy. If there's a couple things to cut out, cut it out for six weeks and see if you feel better. And if you feel better, that's amazing. If you don't feel better, start adding the foods back in. And that's kind of what we call some just empirical research. Just try it, experiment and see in that six week period. And I always tell people, what is the side effect of cutting out dairy? If it's going to make a difference with your acne and your bloating and your constipation, why not try it for six weeks? And if you don't feel better, add it back in. And so some of the symptoms of food sensitivities that we see on a regular basis would be things like eczema. Uh, It would be migraines or headaches, acne, especially on the forehead, acne across the forehead, the cheeks. We see a lot of food sensitivities acne more along the jawline and the neck and the back, that may be more uh, hormonal than it is foods. But food sensitivities, we definitely see acne. We see fatigue. We see attention issues, ADD, ADHD. We see depression. Um, Of course, all the irritable bowel syndrome symptoms. Um, We see even just weight, um, trouble losing weight. And I really think part of that is because when there are a lot of food sensitivities, there's some low grade inflammation and immune activation. And it puts stress on our body, which increases our blood sugar and really kind of has us hold on to weight. So again, not everybody needs a food sensitivity test. Please, 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 if you have 10 plus foods or, you know, in my opinion, even five plus foods that you're reacting to, don't stress about being 100% compliant with that. Make sure your gut is healthy because a lot of those food sensitivities will go back if we can or go down if we can get your gut healthy. But to answer your second part of the question is, is a food sensitivity worth it? Um, based on my experience with patients, I do think it is for the right person and really talking with a uh, provider that is well-versed in food sensitivities. So you're not cutting out unnecessary foods. You're doing it for a limited period of time. You're reintroducing foods. That's kind of the cool thing about food sensitivities is it's not lifelong. You know, some food allergies are lifelong. Let's say you're allergic to almonds. You may react to almonds your whole life in a very severe immediate response. And nobody will debate you on that. But food sensitivities, it may be much more delayed. It may be uh, much more mild. And it may be a chronic exposure that's leading to the symptoms and not just once here or there. So make sure you work with somebody because we don't want to lead to eating disorders, unnecessary food elimination, 
always, always make sure your gut is healthy. Make sure your gut microbiome, the bacteria in your gut is really robust and diverse. Make sure the lining of your gut is nice and tight. Your immune system is healthy. We're not seeing unnecessary inflammation. All of those things are going to impact how you're responding to the foods you eat and the things in your environment. But I did want to just briefly touch on three different studies, which I will link in the show notes. Um, Again, remember season four is really all about just highlighting a couple studies about what we're talking about. Uh, And we just go over these really quickly, but I wanted to highlight three different things that kind of look at food elimination based on IgG antibodies or some correlations they found. Um, So the first one is looking at chronic food sensitivities based on an IgG-mediated reaction for adolescents with depression. And so they looked at adolescents, about 184 adolescents who were diagnosed with major depressive disorder. And uh, depression is really one of the most common non-fatal disease burdens in the world and in functional medicine and really in uh, conventional medicine. When people are really uh, passionate or interested in the root cause, we do find that systemic chronic low-grade inflammation is associated with depression. So one of the big things we say is leaky gut, leaky brain. And so this study looked at 184 patients, adolescent patients with depression, and they looked at their C-reactive protein, uh, which is inflammation, their TNF-alpha, which is also inflammation. They looked at 14 different IgG food sensitivities. They checked a histamine level, a homocysteine. So they looked at a lot of information, and they put people in two kind of different groups. And one of the big things that they saw is the groups with higher histamine levels and more IgG positive food sensitivities had higher levels um, or more depression. And so this is a really interesting thing when we think about 80% of our patients with prolonged food sensitivities are going to have some degree of elevated histamine. And this elevated histamine and food sensitivity may be causing some uh, hyperpermeability in the blood-brain barrier. So that may be one potential thing that could be playing a role with depression. And I don't know about you guys, but with me having two girls, I know they're not adolescents yet, but when they struggle with depression, if I could cut out some foods and reduce some chronic low-grade inflammation and improve their mood and lower their histamine, uh, I'm going to choose that and I'm at least going to try it before maybe putting them on too many medications depending on the scenario. So that is just, um, again, kind of looking at a correlation between histamine, food sensitivities, and depression in adolescents. Very, very interesting. The second one that I wanted to highlight looks at food elimination based on IgG antibodies in patients with irritable bowel syndrome. So this was a randomized controlled trial which is one of the higher or highest levels of uh, research that you can do. And they looked at 150 outpatients with irritable bowel syndrome, and they put them in two groups for three months. And so one group cut out their specific IgG antibody foods. So the foods that they were reacting to, they cut them out. The second group cut out the same number of foods, but they were random and they were not based on a food sensitivity test. So one group is cutting out their food sensitivities. One group is cutting out the same number of foods, but not related to their blood work. 
And they found after 12 weeks that the group that did the food elimination diet had more than a 10% reduction in their symptoms than those that were not on a diet. And those that were fully compliant, which is really tough, and I would even argue with these patients, you know, having to cut out 14 foods, that they really need a stool test first. So if we were to do a stool test first and then a food sensitivity test, I think these numbers would be higher. But those that were fully compliant, they had a 26% reduction in their symptoms. And what's interesting is when these people started to relax on their diet a little bit, they found 24% deterioration in their symptoms um, when they added some of the foods back in and they weren't as compliant. So again, I think it's really important to see what's going on with your gut microbiome. How can we heal your gut while you're doing the food elimination so you don't have to be on a food elimination forever because nobody can cut out 14 foods the rest of their life. So that is not what I'm saying at all. But it is interesting that the group that was in the proper food elimination for them based on their levels had a 26% reduction in their symptoms. That's pretty significant. So that is a group that was randomly uh, assigned a food elimination or a random food elimination in the true data points based on an IgG food sensitivity test had more significant improvements in their irritable bowel syndrome. The third one is an older study. Um, this one is from 2010. And so this is looking at diet restriction based on IgG food sensitivity in migraines. And this is a double-blind randomized crossover trial that they looked at. And um, they did 266 food antigens, and they had them follow a six-week elimination. And they found through this randomized crossover study that migraines were significantly reduced, the frequency of migraine attacks when they did their IgG food elimination over a six-week period. So it didn't get rid of them completely, but they had statistically significant reduction in the number of headache days and the number of migraine attacks during the elimination period. So again, three studies kind of looking at food sensitivities and what their benefit is. And we see a correlation with histamine, food sensitivities, and depression. We see a benefit of a food elimination based on IgG sensitivities in patients with irritable bowel syndrome. And then we also see less migraines and less headache attacks in uh, patients following a food elimination based on IgG levels. So hopefully that answers your question. Do you do a food sensitivity test or a stool test first? Most of the time, a stool test first. Get your gut nice and healthy. See how your symptoms improve. Do a food sensitivity test if still needed. Make sure it's not a crazy amount of foods that you have to avoid. Really stay focused, stay compliant for a six-week period and see how you feel and then start a reintroduction. But most importantly, out of all of this that we've talked about today is making sure you work with a provider that you trust, that understands the complexity of a food sensitivity, that understands the complexity of the gut microbiome, and really understands the benefit of getting to know you starting at your birth and all the different potential triggers that are playing a role on your health today. Because I always say we are as unique as a fingerprint. We truly are. And so what the root cause is for you may be a totally different root cause for another person, even as we talk about the same thing. Let's say it's migraines. What is impacting the migraines for one person is going to be totally different for the other person and the next 10 in the room. So make sure that you work with somebody that wants to help you figure out your root cause and address that. 
So thank you guys for these awesome questions. Make sure to send me any other questions you have. You can message me on any of the Instagram platforms, whether it's at statwellness, at littleby, or at Dr. Kristen Oja. I'll put those in the show notes along with links to these studies in case you're interested in reading a little bit more about what we talked about today. But keep these questions coming. They are excellent. Thank you for tuning in. And as always, remember, little by little, a little becomes a lot. Even the smallest changes over time can lead to total mind and body transformation. I'd love for you to stay connected with at Dr. Kristen Oja and at Stat Wellness on Instagram. And if you have any questions, be sure to reach out. I'd love to hear from you.